it is time to tune up the band and be all elite for it is another episode of the sweet chin wag all elite podcast my name is elite sam joining joined joined as ever by all elite dan and all elite ridden as we continue our all elite journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling good elite afternoon chaps how are you elite doing <laughs> yep you're, you're not going to be able to keep lead. this up. You're no, not going to no. be able to keep this up. You already failed. I already yes. failed, but I kept yes. going. Just it's okay. I am, it I, am doink, I am doinking elite. Doinking. What? I, you know what? I don't even... I don't need this. I don't need this. <laughs> I would say, are you all right? I don't think you are anymore, are we? I, I, I was okay, and now I'm, now I'm not. Now I am not. Okay, I'm sorry. Do you want a hug? You're not sorry. No. Don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> no, truly I am. I'm sorry, chat. So uh, we got off on the we got off on a, on the wrong foot. Shall we? Shall, shall, shall we? Shall we just continue? You know, get it's back going. on. The, we are... Just keep things rolling as we always do. Yes, because we are the elite podcast in professional wrestling. Yep. Yep. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. We give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Oh, they might they might be the elite, but we are always be pending. <laughs> and always will be. Maybe I should just make that as a as a meme on our Twitter. Just do the whole the the the, the all elite template, but just Dan is forever pending. Reardon is forever pending. <laughs> Sam is forever pending. Yeah, that means we now need a, a mythical figure who is Tony pending. <laughs> Tony pending. <laughs> Anthony pending. Anthony pending. What the hell? That's Anthony pending. <laughs> My God. Before we get into part two of our retrospective on all elite wrestling, before I derail this even further, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun 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 down. Wrestling news. A more subdued wrestling news. I'm using as much energy as I have. <laughs> he's using he's using all hundred percent of his brain power. Yeah. Um, so obviously the big story is Sasha and Naomi allegedly walking out of Raw. Everything's really complicated with it. I don't really understand because I've seen like 19 billion different stories and about 50,000 accounts trying to absolutely assure me it's a work, although I refuse to believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, here's, here's like a weird thing of this whole thing. So, okay, we get, you know, Monday Night Raw happens. We've had this six-pack challenge thing build as main event, and then suddenly it's changed almost an hour in. But the way WWE did it is very weird because they did it on, you know, they did it like a, a notes app picture that they posted onto their socials, which is like... we even got companies doing notes app apologies I was, now. I was going to say, yeah, we... <laughs> We have now, we are way past the looking glass when it comes to notes at apologies from people. That we've now got multi-billion dollar companies doing the damn thing. It's, we're in a very strange world, aren't we? Indeed. So, from what we can gather, um, of course, from the one side of the television and the corporate side and from rumblings when it comes to insiders via Fightful and and Wrestling Observer. From what we've heard, uh, the creative direction uh, was not to the liking uh, of Sasha 
Um, the, 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 the way it was going to go, I believe, was that both Naomi and Sasha were going to get pinned by the women's champ uh, by the women's champions, both um, Charlotte and Ronda. No, sorry, uh, both. Uh, is it Bianca? No, yeah, Bianca and um, yeah, Ronda. Oh, I should it's say. the women's yeah. tag titles. Unfortunately for WWE, I don't know. So, yeah, so again, too they were complaining about um, the creative. It's it's the women's tag belts. Yeah, WWE doesn't even care about the women's tag belts. Yeah, they weren't. So from what we heard, uh, producers were telling Sasha and Naomi that we've got nothing for you until at least Money in the Bank, which is ridiculous because you but are like women's how, champions. Though? But like how? <laughs> and the how fact do you get how do you get to the point where you have literally nothing when like. <laughs> I know it's 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 ridiculous. To that, of course, that miffed off the pair of them because they're women's champions for crying out loud. And the fact that you have nothing for them, as well as you're going to lose to the the women's champions, is just it makes no sense. Like, wow! It's like now they really just said the quiet part loud. And then loud, yeah. So apparently, from after that, after raising concerns about it. One of the producers got incredibly angry and shouted at them as they walked out. So uh, apparently, I think it was someone along the lines of, you don't know what you're doing, you're bloody useless, as he walked out. To which uh, both Sasha and Naomi walked into the office of one John Laurinaitis, dropped the titles to him and said, goodbye. John Laurinaitis, Booker Women's Match Challenge, Difficulty Impossible. But, but apparently what I've heard is that Vince was very... Vin it wasn't Vince... Because from what I've heard, there have been stories that um, Sasha went to Vince about this and, you know, raised concerns. And Vince was very much on her side and told creative to come on, come, think up of something a lot better for these two. I mean, look, right, let's be real about it. Sasha's already been in The Mandalorian. So, like, we already know that, like, she can just, like... Yeah, she's literally... literally... Sasha way more than Sasha needs them. Exactly. At this point, Yes. And, and I so think that's what obviously, pissed... obviously, she knows that. I'm sure it's probably the same with Naomi as well, because I'm sure she can go back to a career in like the in dance or whatever. I'm sorry, I'm sure someone will pick her up for a job. Yeah. yeah. Now but, here's the um... thing I've I've well here's one thing I've heard as well <laughs> is that one producer in particular isn't particularly a big fan of Sasha because apparently she's uh, she's very standoffish very mouthy and doesn't like that's, criticism that's, now i'm not going to point no, fingers okay. but bruce pritchard is. is also very that is. <laughs> that is um that is corporate for actually stands up for themselves yep. yes that is corporate for they actually have principles that they stick to yes now i'm not going to say bruce pritchard but i'm going to say bruce pritchard because he's gone on record numerous occasions as not liking Sasha Banks at all. And also, I mean, I don't know if you were going to bring it up, Rudin, but there's the inherent thing of, um, you know, like, there's a rich history of people walking out on wrestling companies. For example, Stone Cold. I was going to say, For yep. example, Tony Storm. For example, yep. Jeff Hardy. But it's strange how when it's two black women <laughs> that all of a sudden there's uh, there's a notes app statement and all this talk about like oh they're being super disrespectful and standoffish. Oh 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 I uh I I noticed that shit. Yeah. No. Oh, that shit. I noticed. Oh man, I noticed it at all. It's like, all right, great. So you, you can. So 
So you can, you know, with Stone Cold, you made the whole business belly who about it back in 02, but you welcome back him back with open arms, you know. You've let people do this on numerous occasions, but you're going to make a huge deal out of Sasha and Naomi doing this. Something's not quite right about that. That's what I'm saying. Really not right, right about just, that. Just, just think about it. Gosh, I mean, yes. I'll tell you, If we had video of this, I'd be, like, asking Sam to throw up, like, a Dr. Rumor picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what we should do, actually, for a video podcast, yeah. Well, maybe video versions, maybe, possibly, if, we, if I get a webcam like, in the future. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that, or I'll just try and... I'll, I'll get back onto the hunt for an animator. <laughs> yes, please. At Sweet Chinwag for the animator. Yeah. <laughs> DM us. But no, this is um this is a very interesting thing. I think I just think the the uh motivations of WWE as well, getting Corey Graves to constantly bury the pair of them has been a bit weird. I mean it this it does harken back to Austin leaving Corey, in two thousand and two okay, and they absolutely no, buried the this right. Mm. Corey Graves is straight up like that guy who thinks that he's punk and then goes to work for a major corporation. Yes. Like he's the punk guy that works as a bellboy at the Ritz. Not even that though. Like <laughs> he's the punk guy who will be like, we need to like stop big corporations and then we'll straight up be like a lawyer for a corporate firm. <laughs> Neck tattoos and all. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I know what you mean in that regard. Um, but no, if this one is a weird situation. I, I am. I know a lot of people have been. Oh, you got to treat us like. Oh, but the, 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 absolutely disrespectful. It's like I don't like Sasha and Naomi anymore. I am. I guess I'm of the ilk that I actually do kind of support Sasha and Naomi on this. Mm. I mean, of course, it's like. In any other regular job, it's like you'd get absolute, you'd get fired for doing that sort of thing, you know, walking out. And there, and trust me, we've all been in a situation where where we've been in a job and been like, I can't take this anymore. I, I'm yes. I'm pretty sure anyone who's listening to this is a bit in that situation where I just can't do this anymore. I'm 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 quitting. So, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, from what I've heard, this this is just the incident that kind of set set everything on fire because apparently this has been building up for quite a long time yeah it would be right yeah and uh it's it's oh man it's um i i sure hope wwe know what they're doing no <laughs> I hate to break it to you hate to break it to you sweetheart but they don't I was going to say as well, I think Sasha just saw that PWG are now doing women's matches and thought, oh, God, I need to get out of here now. <laughs> uh, but no, honestly, um, I, I, I wait to Sasha see what just leaves and it's just like, get me on that first plane to Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, mind you, she did that. She did that, just that when she took her uh, break. Uh, yeah. A few years back, she went to Sendai Girls to train with Mako Satomura, so... Based. I think, you know, honestly, like, I, 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 I wait to see what happens, but 
I mean, we already know now that they're they're putting on a tournament for the women's tag cha- championship. So yeah, that goodness bra- knows that, bra- that bracket is literally like four teams big. <laughs> oh gosh, don't say. Oh god, that's depressing. It's going to be two matches and then oh. the final. <laughs> oh man. Oh no. That is the dep- oh. between actual tag team. Uh, can they coexist? One. Um hastily made tag team for the tournament versus can they coexist too oh gosh yeah oh oh that's the oh that's depressing because that's just that's just basically the tag division in wwe in general whether it is male or female (laughs) well because they did the whole they did the whole unified tag champs thing that also uh got leaked early by um was like wwe uk official facebook or whatever yes so, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, the Usos are unified tag champions now, everybody. <laughs> it's like we went all the way back to like 2014. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um. Well, look. At the very least, they're doing something right with with Roman Reigns. But it just seems again, it's that it's they book themselves into a corner that they can't that they somehow managed to by hook or crook get themselves out of. Right, so they put all of their folk 100% focus on the one guy, but then they realize, oh fuck, we got to write for everybody else as well. <laughs> they forgotten. I I honestly feel like they might have just forgotten how to make a card. <laughs> they just for, they just forgot straight up. Well, what I said though is that they put um they put all their energy into like making one thing good, and then just everything else is just like just see mm. it just, just hope it's just oh it's 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 one of those things again where it's like we i guess you can understand from a from a perspective of a of a writer there where it's like holy crap i've got to come up with at least five to six like five to six hours worth of content on top of having to do an extra three to four for those b and c shows as well and it's just like and you're being told that you have to write this specifically for this person or this person, but you can't write for this person, and it's just... But at the same time, it's like, come on. I think, I think the e. thing is, is that you basically... You have all this stuff being and all this energy being put into one place, mm. and it's like... You kind of forget that, like... No, other things need attention. You know, one good segment does not a good show make. Mm-hmm. And all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, you really need to stop, like, dumping everything into Roman. Yeah. You know, it's like they've forgotten that, like, more than one story can happen at a time. Yeah. Completely forgotten. And it does, it, it, it is a bit, it does, it is a detriment with to the... the... Way, with the way that, um, with the way that Roman's positioned, you'd think that, like, it should just become like everyone against Roman, but like for their own reasons. Yeah. Also have their own reasons to, um, you know, their own reasons against like each other for stuff. Now, why isn't you... why isn't Roman Reigns the final boss of WWE? Why isn't that I mean, just the deep well, the because, motive? Because WWE doesn't believe in this. Like, it's one of the characters they don't believe in almost. Because mm. what I keep saying is, why doesn't WWE? Like, why don't they like veterans? Mm. 
veterans just come in and they're just like, okay, you will now lose. But like not even in like interesting and convincing ways. Yeah, like I would take for example Drew Gulag. <laughs> yeah, like you could just have him, but it's like it doesn't it doesn't exist in the US in the same way it exists as in like Japan. Because like in Japan, Drew Gulag could be positioned completely differently. <laughs> that is very true. Very, very yeah. true. Um It's right though. I mean WWE at this point really should just be Mortal Kombat and Roman Reigns is Shao Kahn. Yeah. Like Come now, on. if it were written like that, and we've got like converging storylines of people trying to get to the top to try and take on the final boss, but during that process, they you know go off to win the US title or the IC title, I would watch it at that point because it's like that that would make for quite compelling wrestling um, TV or TV wrestling, if you ask me. But now we just it's just we get Roman and everything else is tertiary not even secondary at this point literally just my brother in christ watch a kung fu movie (laughs) i don't mind it being blood i I was gonna say i don't mind it being blood sport at this point (laughs) roman reigns throws salt into the eyes of uh of Xavier Woods as he goes for the WWE. He's on that he's he's on the mr fuji shit yeah all i want is for like every person, like every top wrestler, to slowly morph into Hihachi Mishima. Yes! Just... Sam, because Sam, you'll remember this. Do you remember um, you remember Kagetsu's yes. stardom title run? Oh, where the, she that. used to end her match. She used to like, end her match by being like, if you want to beat me, get better. Yes. It was so... She literally just went, get good. <laughs> I love Kagetsu's run in stardom. It's so literally just good. like it's just literally just if you want to beat me, get better than me. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh man. Well, look. The only thing of note from WWE so far is well, Usos unify the tag titles, and LA Knight is now Max Dupree. Bro, let me just say, I hate this with like every fiber of my being. <laughs> yes. Come on, that's <laughs> but here's such the thing, a though, downgrade. Right? Here's, here's, here's the thing: a, it's a downgrade. B, they already own the trademark of LA Knight. So oh, it's too much here, like Eli Drake. Here comes the thing, though, right? Because his whole thing is going Eli Drake, LA Knight, but now it's Max Dupree. They've inverted the syllable order. Now, oh, here's the thing. Now, yeah, right. brand, yeah. Like I said, though, right? My, my main problem is they're just getting rid of brand recognition. At this point, mm. absolutely. Because, like... because what you've done is you've just gone, hey, here's this guy. It's LA Knight. And then you go, hi. It's the same guy again, but his name is now Max Dupree with zero defining features being changed. I mean, other than the fact that he shaved his beard, which is normally a death knell. Uh, yeah, it's no, it's it, it's no, 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 no. We we want the Basically, beard back. They were just they were just there, and they just went. Hmm. I think I will cause problems for no reason. Exactly. All the things that made Eli Drake L- slash LA Knight an entertaining character seems to have been gone now. Well, because a for a start, you've made him a manager, which yeah. is oh my god. At this point, Vince, stop making the default thing for each guy in NXT that has a slight ounce of charisma a fucking manager. I mean, the thing is, is I'm always, <laughs> it's kind of the reverse. It's the wrong solution to the problem I have. I keep, and I keep saying WWE doesn't utilize managers enough. Because mm. your answer to that is Malcolm Bivens, <laughs> not fucking LA Knight. <laughs> Thank you. 
Max Dupree though. Like I know the dark matches he was having he was day like like workshopping this character and he was still LA Knight and it was like night model management. Now it's Max Dupree and maximum male models. Has a male model gimmick ever gone well? I guess Rick Martel. Yes. I mean, male model I mean yeah, Tyler Rick Breeze. Martel, but yeah. Tyler Breeze yeah, but, all right. Yeah, but the- the, the Tyler Breeze character was great, but I mean, in terms of where it went. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And again, I will maintain that the fashion police segments were probably the one of the best things on SmackDown at that time. Yep. But we have to think about how big Tyler Breeze ended up going in the end, despite the fact he had a match with fucking Jushin Thunder Liger, which I won't let people forget. <laughs> <laughs> because it's fucking hilarious to me. But oh. just to say, I absolutely love Tyler Breeze, though. Yes. And it's good to see him back on up, up, down, down for uh, for the Absolutely. record. Absolutely. All righty. Talking of one person walking out, how about another person walking out and one that's very surprising? It's the inventor of women's wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Stephanie McMahon is taking a leave of absence. This comes as a big surprise. So I think everyone... Um, honestly, yeah. um, mm. she made an announcement on Twitter. I think it was after an investor's call, I believe, mm. um, saying that she was taking a leave of absence to focus on family. And um, all the, all the best to, to, to the McMahon, Levesque family, because they have been through some stuff the, the previous year. I can imagine that mm-hmm. the having to deal with your husband almost, you know, having his heart almost explode will do that for you. Um, and of course, I know there are a lot of rumours going around that maybe that's not all as it seems, because apparently Stephanie has been pictured without her wedding, wedding ring on, and make of that what you will, but at the moment it's only... Uh, speculation and rumors we're not going to go into that well we had the whole speculation that vince and linda might be divorced <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah he didn't make it he kind of made, did a freudian slip on the pat mcafee show did vince <laughs> my then wife wait what <laughs> excuse me vince what I is going work, on work <laughs> But um, this uh, this comes. I think the most interesting thing about this is uh, is that Nick Khan is now taking over uh, from Stephanie's duties for the foreseeable future. Um, this is this is a very intriguing thing when you you know when you take into account Nick Khan's tenure uh, for these past two years in the WWE. Uh, you know, rejigging NXT as he saw fit. Uh, mm-hmm. Shane now gone and Stephanie taking a leave of absence. Slowly and surely, the Khans are taking over professional wrestling. <laughs> I know. What would you do if we found out that, like, secretly Nick Khan and Tony Khan were related? I, 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 I'm legitimately waiting for that day, to be quite like, honest. Like, we just get we just get an addition of, like, Raw. And you know the Raw is, like, Villa Vince gets WCW. Yes. Like, Nick Khan just appears on the screen just says... There's only one royal family in wrestling, and it's the Khan family. And then Tony appears on the screen, and it turns out they've been like working together the entire time. Adrenaline in my soul, something, something, Tony Khan. <laughs> Go for it. Like, like, t- like they're literally just there. It's just like, 
you could even use that you could even use the cody line it's like i don't need a partner i need my younger brother and then tony <laughs> Khan appears on the screen oh come on at this point it, they should just reenact the higher power skit where it's just tony <laughs> and a, tony just unveils himself it's me mcmahon ah son of a bitch <laughs> going for it it's it's a very strange one because it's um it's you can it's definite signs of a massive changing of the guard. I mean, Stephanie has said this is only a leave of absence. She's looking to come back, but at the same time, you have to look at it as this. This does sound like rumblings that this is a this is the changing of the guard that a lot of people didn't think would happen for a very long time to come. But it seems like mm. there might it might be happening sooner than we thought it might. I, I mean, of course, we've talked about in the past on and off yeah. podcast that nick is childhood friends with the rock <laughs> which still blows my mind that he is well because this was the thing right because when we said between ourselves um you know what if it turns out that the rock takes like a corporate role in wwe <laughs> of which my answer to that is i think all hell breaks loose yeah and as we said it will be like like the absolute just like ultimate pain for triple h yeah <laughs> cats and dogs living together master st- <laughs> I, I i legitimately i think like if that happens he's going to connecticut with a gun there's no way oh, that he God. lets that ride he, no it's gonna be like, it's gonna be, you remember that do you remember that segment with randy orton yeah, it will be a segment, but, but, no, it won't be, but it won't be a. It won't. Remember, Daniel, he's retired. It won't be a sledgehammer. It will be a gun. <laughs> he's like, I can't get. Was it? If I can't get closer to you, then I'll just hit you from further away. Exactly. If you, if I can't have her, no one can. He's <laughs> cock shotgun. No. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, I, I think we may be living in that bizarro land, though. That the rock—it may just a be a possibility that the rock might take over WWE. That would be. Hey, it'd, wow. be it'd be like that. I mean, I would. I would be fascinating to hear to hear Dwayne the Rock Johnson talk about his show, and it be very literal. It's like that. It would be like those old clips from like the late eighties, uh, uh, early nineties of WWF president Jack Tunney taking over booking decisions and Gorilla Monsoon doing that. But it's just like one raw in twenty twenty four. We just see, hello, I'm WWE president Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> well, what? The more we say this, the more I want it. <laughs> just... The more we say it, the more correct and inevitable it feels yes like there's just a whole there's just a, there's just a whole story that's a complete time with like hobbs and shaw five could you imagine could you imagine the consistency in storylines because you'd have hollywood writers up the yin yang for the company i'm more thinking on the lines of you have you have the rock running the show and then all of the rock's cousins holding belts yeah which would be so like it's just a long con Samoan takeover. <laughs> Sorry, you can only make it to the Fed now if you're Samoan or Tongan. That's it. And, That's it. and I'm telling you now, if this does happen, LA Knight becomes the biggest babyface in the company because everyone compares him to The Rock, and The Rock That's sees that. You know. 
<laughs> and makes him the biggest Ellie baby. Knight's going through his family, just like, is there any Samoans in here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, LA Knight, you're not Samoan. Sit down. <laughs> oh, but it's again, the more we talk about it, the more it's like, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't mind it if I. <laughs> like, with the way WWE is going right now, I think it would be a welcome change. Anything at this moment, I think, would be a welcome change. I mean, I'm not denying it. It doesn't have the possibility of ending like completely horrifically. But you know what? Like, honestly, if you go out, go out in a burst of flame. Exactly. Yeah. There's no way that WWE doesn't end in with absolute carnage. And the way it look oh, at yeah. it this way: if this were to happen, The Rock has been on record as to saying that he is a big fan of AEW. He really likes the product. So could you imagine, as president of the WWE, he extends the olive bronze to AEW? That would be madness. That would be madness. If it, if one person could do it, it's probably Dwayne. Yeah, he just raises an eyebrow and suddenly he's, everything's signed on the dotted line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Signs a deal with AEW and the CFL. God. It's the biggest card in sports there's history. Some, there's some rock law for you. <laughs> it's it's the big CFL game with the halftime show being WrestleMania. WWE Stadium Stampede from a CFL stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Book it, Dwayne. No. <laughs> and the entire thing's a tie-in for Hobbs and Shaw 5. Featuring Roman Reigns. <laughs> Just, just to really stick it to Vin Diesel. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's all about family? Yeah, oh, this is my family, bitch. <laughs> yeah, sorry, brother, it's all about family. That's why all everyone in this film will be one of my cousins. And Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> he's still signed on. I was going to say, because he's honorary Samoan at this point now. You know, if I heard a, if I heard a story of that, I, that would track completely. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I'm on a really Samoan there. That was actually very good. Thank you. That was actually very well done. I'm actually very shocked. <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah. Yes. Yes. there. In terms of news, is there anything else that we want to talk about? I mean, of course, no, we've got AEW, AEW um, doing some gangbusters as well. Of course, there's an injury scare with Brian Danielson. We don't know if that's storyline or not, but... We'll know. We'll all know once you know more starts to come out, and I guess the next dynamite happens. Oh, by the I way, I don't know what's happening in New Japan right now, but I I should. By the way, um, Konosuke Takeshita did an inc- oh, yeah. had an incredible match oh, with Hangman dude. Page, and he won over the crowd, and then some. Yo, and I loved if it. If you haven't, if you haven't watched their match in DPW, it it, it fucks. <laughs> it abs- Oh, that match was great as well. Takeshita's been on a roll since he's come into America, I and mean, you love to it's, see uh, it. it it's had like ten minutes, but it's just ten minutes of the two of him and Adam Brooks just beating the crap out of each other. It's exactly what I like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We have a recommendation corner though this week yeah. from Dan. Yes. Hi everyone. Go and listen to Polyphia's new release, Playing God. It's really good. Tim Henson's like the next generation of guitarists that will like inspire or the new young guitarist and if you've ever wanted flamenco influence like trap metal then uh here you go <laughs> he thinks it, he, he he does stuff that is like straight up like feels inhuman to do 
<laughs> you have said that multiple times, and I still don't understand. I still cannot contemplate. Bro, I will what literally like. send it to you right now while we're recording. Please do, so I, I get what Ooh, the fuck this is about. Can I also make a recommendation? Of course. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Glate's latest pay per view, which was Pro Wrestling version 25, that's fully on YouTube, was an incredible one of my favorite events this year by far that had one hell of a, of a main event. Uh, El Linderman versus great. Shigehira Array. I was going to say, it's crazy the amount, the, the, the work level that Glate have been putting out. Like, it's actually insane. <laughs> it's insane how good they are. I mean, on this card, they also had special appearances by Shingo Tagaki and Hiroki Goto, as well as Shima. Uh, I, I love that Shima and Shingo were in a tag together, and it's they they oh oh they're so good together. <laughs> but no, that is free on YouTube right now as we speak, and you can't get any more like bang for your uh, bang for your buck than having a free pay per view on YouTube. So Glate have been putting out some really awesome yeah. stuff. Um, and I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It was such, and I mean, here's the thing. I want L Linderman to win the uh, best of the super juniors now. Again, like I said, I want L Linderman to win best of super juniors, but again, that would involve New Japan admitting that for once Shima was right. <laughs> they'll never do that. No, I, was like, I don't think they'll let that happen. They should though. <laughs> they absolutely should. So that's my recommendation. But with all of that settled, all of that ready to go, it is time to get on to part two of our AEW retrospective. We last left off right at the tail end of All In and talking about rumours of a potential company in the works thanks to a uh, one owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tony Khan. So <clears throat> let us get straight right back into it, gents. So after All In's great success, more and more rumours started picking up on Tony Khan's vested interest in making a wrestling company, and it only gained more traction shortly after that big event. On November the 5th, 2018 trademarks were starting to be filed in Jacksonville for a lot of names and logos. They were and included as follows All Elite Wrestling, AEW, AEW All Out, AEW Double or Nothing, Tuesday Night Dynamite, and several logos. Now, this is according to the Young Bucks in their autobiography. Tony had brought the pair to Craven Cottage in London Based. to go over the details <laughs> would you believe and in this meeting that's when they came up with the AEW name so in, you have to thank Fulham Football Club for coming up with AEW uh, alright fine I'll give it to him <laughs> just, See, just this, this once Reardon just this once like they're a family club like it's fine <laughs> Fulham Football Club the, the centre of the wrestling universe <laughs> Man, that is a sentence I never thought when we did. Basically, like, basically my, my... if you're there and you have, if you're there and your wrestling fan has a problem with AEW, blame, uh, blame a football club in West London. <laughs> I mean, like just by just that. Be, my friend who is a hardcore Fulham supporter, she'll be happy. So. So, so apparently the, the rumour, like just as an offshoot, the rumour is that when they do a UK show, it will be at Craven Cottage. I think, the, I think the thing is, right, they need to do one there eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm. Whether or not it's the first one that they do, though, I don't know. But, yeah. like, it makes sense that it would be fitting that the first one they do is there. And I reckon you can probably fit maybe 
mean, you're doing a stadium show, so you can probably fit like 20, 21,000 in there? I reckon so. 22,000? I reckon if he would put his mind to it, if he, he'd probably use that as an experiment, and I would probably say his next bet would probably be somewhere like Emirates or White Hart Lane for the next London show if he was going to do it. Yeah. And I reckon he'd probably, if if, if, if the Craven Cottage show See. is successful, I reckon he could sell out Emirates or White Hart Lane. Don't I'm make just, me just, go yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> What's a White Hart Lane? <laughs> no, either of them. Don't make me go to those places. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, because... If he was doing somewhere as an experiment, he could do the Wembley Arena. Mm. True. I, I, it's the safe that's about bet. 12, 000, that's about 12,000. It, it'd be the safe bet, honestly. Um, I mean, because of course o, everyone would probably say... The O2 is insane. The O2 is insane. Don't, yeah. don't, not doing that don't, as a don't, star. Don't <laughs> but I mean, the experiment would probably be a lot of people would go. Well, why not sell out Wembley Stadium? Yeah, I, no. I, at this present moment, I don't think they would sell out Wembley Stadium. Nah, 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 nah. Like Wembley obviously, hardcore. because they own Fulham, they can't do it. They can't do it at Stamford. <laughs> no, they can't. No, they can't. But they can't. <laughs> no Stamford Bridge. No. <laughs> just because it would be cursed. Just, it, just... It, no, it would be cursed, but it would be cursed in my favour. All right. Consider the following: Selhurst Park. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. 25,000 plus standing on the the pitch area. I mean, how... So about 27,000, 28,000. True. That could work. I mean, London... What's London Stadium? I mean, because that's... I would imagine that's probably a bit ambitious as well, trying Um, to sell out London Stadium. I'm not sure, actually. 60,000. Yeah, that'd be a bit ambitious. I mean, it could be one of those three. It could be Emirates. If he was going to do a second yeah. show, probably Emirates, White Hart Lane or London Stadium. I'd probably hedge my bets, though, on something probably well, Tottenham, like... Tottenham's 62,000 right now. Mm. Hmm. And the Emirates is something like, I think... Yeah, 60,000 as well, I think. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> shall we crack Luton, on? Luton, Kenilworth Road. Kenilworth Road. You got to walk through people's back gardens to get to the other stand. I'd say the valley, but you know, I, but maybe that's just being a bit, just being oh, a bit that's biased. Informed, actually, that'll be informed. <laughs> could, could you imagine? Charlton Athletic play host to AEW. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, shall I shall I carry on before? <laughs> yeah. As I was here. Okay. So it was also during this time when they were having extensive meetings with Tony Khan that Triple H had been in constant contact with the Bucks, Kenny, Cody, and Hanman Page into coming into the WWE. So much contact, in fact, that he even wished the Bucks good luck for All In. Oh. <laughs> See, but the thing is, though, is I've always got the feeling that Triple H has never been against, like, the working with other people. Yeah, I mean, because he's nah. been the one that's I don't always. I think he's ever been against it because, like, he did like the Cruiserweight Classic. He did the May Young. Yeah, he, you know. So he's been a guy that's. Evolution. He's been the guy that's been breaking deals with a lot of people. I mean, like, remember, he was so, the one like, that repaired the relationship between Vince and Bruno San Martino for crying out loud. So, like, I understand. I understand him doing that. I feel like it probably fits his way of doing stuff. But like. I love all of these guys, but like, could you imagine if 
let's say that that let's say that that was the only thing, right? Mm-hmm. That they all went to WWE, okay? But that like everything else in the timeline kind of stayed the same, bro. I would not be feeling good. <laughs> oh man, I I I the young bucks especially, I think, would be incensed. Yeah, like they would all have to stay in in NXT Black and Gold. Yeah. yeah. There's oh no god, way. yeah, no, they're they're they're. Ooh. I couldn't imagine the, the. No way, Kenny's doing the triggers on oh, main god. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> oh man, I can see. Oh, the idea, the idea of Kenny Omega having to survive on main roster WWE is cursed and hilarious at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it ain't gonna happen. Nope. There's so many. Although, on the other hand, Kenny Omega on Up Up Down Down would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd It'd be incredible. Be great on Up Up Down Down, they'd all probably be pretty great if and if NXT Black and Gold stayed as it was because of all the people they could have matches with. But God, main roster would be pain. Oh, yeah. it would be. I I wouldn't, be I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to imagine it. I don't want to imagine it. Just consider, just consider it right. This is at the same time that they're doing that. So it's like 2018, 2019, right? Correct. Right. Okay. Who was WWE champion for the first half of like 2019? Um, If memory um, serves me correct, it would probably have been 2019. It been? So it probably 19. would have been... Ooh, might oh. have... Could have been Brock. Or it could have been. I might I have been Brock. Might have been it's Kevin not... Owens. Might have been a Universal Champion at that time. I don't think so. I think it was Brock. Okay, let was... me pull up the list. I could have. I could have been Seth and. Oh, it might have been actually Seth and the Fiend. At yeah, that time. Yeah, you're okay. right. All right, I can survive with Seth. Yeah. Let me pull up the list. <laughs> okay, because we're saying like 2018, right? Late 2018. So, Daniel Bryan, yes, right? Because we already got Kenny versus Danielson. That was great. Yes. Kofi Kingston. Ah, yes. I'm feeling good with. I'm feeling good with that. That could could work, actually. Brock Lesnar, I'm willing to abide by, but this is when, like, WWE were just like, we don't know what to do, Brock. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's really most of 2019. That's not actually as bad as I thought it would be, but I think the moment they hit... It's a decent spread, but then again, once they hit Brock... (laughs) Yeah, once they hit Brock, that's a brick wall. Do you think that Kenny Omega is going over Brock? (laughs) I don't work for me, brother. Uh, (laughs) True. So, with all of this, though, the allure of being able to be on their own show becoming and becoming a legitimate alternative to WWE, it was too good an offer to not pass up, and they moved forward with Tony's offer. This also came with the announcement that Cody, Hangman, and the Bucks, along with several other wrestlers, were leaving Ring of Honor, and Kenny was not renewing his contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, this is at the time where Kenny was IWGP champion, of course, that led to the match between Hiroshi Tanahashi at, at the, the 2019 Wrestle Kingdom. This only sparked the fire of rumours that the Elite were going to form their own promotion in America, but nothing at this time was set in concrete. But that all changed on New Year's Day 2019, 
on the first Being the Elite of the Year, they announced via their phone screens at the end of the episode that All Elite Wrestling is coming and a sequel pay-per-view to All In, known as Double or Nothing, would be the official start to the company. Now, this was huge. This was seismic. I mean, considering that there hadn't been this big a change to mainstream American wrestling since the days of WCW, and to a lesser extent, if you want, if you will, TNA, this was huge. We, this was something that I don't think a lot of people were expecting, because we had kind of resigned ourselves to the to the status quo of there being the one big company in America, that being WWE. So to see Again. this happen was massive, to say the least. I mean, I Again, can't quite under- overstate it how important this was, actually. I just, I completely assumed that, that it was going to go down. I didn't expect it to do the last. It just wasn't possible <laughs> in my mind. Because I think as well, a lot of people burned out as like there have been, since WCW's kind of demise, there had been a lot of investors, a lot of like like people with a lot of money trying to make their own go at it and not it not, it not working out for one way or the mm-hmm. other, or they're just not having the same amount of exposure that a WWE would have on, on like mainstream cable or terrestrial television. But this one was different because it seemed like that they had the pieces in place to do this sort of thing, but we didn't know what was coming. Like, because all they announced. The thing is, though, is like we said, though, every time they just tried to just immediately go and be like, we're taking on WWE. Mm. (laughs) This one did, yeah, for this one, I will say, admit that they, when they announced it, they weren't saying that we're taking the fight to WWE. It's just like, hey, look, we're a new company. That's the thing, because that's why, like, what I was saying about like TNA is that when TNA started, it was like an it was pretty much an alternative, mm-hmm. and then just like slowly over time, it became like, yeah, we think we can take on WWE, and we see how horrifically that failed. <laughs> Thank you, Logan. <laughs> so, with this announcement came press conferences, a lot of press press conferences. But these served to let fans know that the Elite were signed to deals and were executive vice presidents of the company, with Tony Khan being CEO and owner, along with his father, Shahid Khan. Now, during the very first press conference, one of the biggest announcements made at, at um, I think it was at the TIAA Parkfield car park where they had this press conference, if, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I think it was, but during that conference, one of the biggest announcements was that Chris Jericho had signed with the company. A huge get starting out for AEW, as of course, Chris Jericho had been a company man for the WWE since 1999. And rumours had started that Jericho had officially left the company all since his appearance at Wrestle Kingdom 12 against Kenny Omega. He had done the the Rockin', the Rockin Wrestling Rager, and he'd been doing that for a couple of years and been bringing guys in from yeah. uh, Ring of Honor. Um, after Triple H said, flat out refused him to use NXT talent on that wrestling rager. (laughs) And of course, as I said in the last episode, Chris had been working on a handshake agreement for his appearances in WWE ever since about late, I want to say late 2017, he'd be working on a handshake agreement. This is very interesting to Mm. me. It's a way of doing things, and to be honest, it's probably more honourable than most wrestling contracts. 
<laughs> wow, oh, that was... Yeah, that, that is spicy. That was a bit real. You are right, mate. <laughs> in many ways, yes, and in many ways, no. <laughs> also, during this press conference, we had that Brandy Rhodes was chief brand officer, made chief brand officer. Make of that yes, what you will. Chief Brandy officer. <laughs> there we go. And Pac also made a shock appearance to call out Hangman Page. SCU also made an appearance and many others hyping up the fans and getting them into a frenzy for this brand new company. I love the fact that Pack 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 making an appearance there was quite a quite a shock and quite nice to see because we I think at that time we all missed Pack ever since kind of he you know was kind of held yeah. to ransom with the WWE and to see him now go out on his own and do his own thing was awesome. So to see him here was well, we all love Pack. Like a lot of people, it's I mean, amazing what you can do out of pure spite. Sometimes, exactly, it's fascinating. <laughs> and with a sec, there was a second uh, press conference after this one as well, uh, headlined by Kenny Omega, making his first appearance since Wrestle Kingdom to announce that Double or Nothing would take place at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas on the twenty fifth of May, and tickets were on sale now. The Lucha Brothers and Best Friends also made their presence known and announced that they had signed with AEW during that press conference. And with this, the announcements kept on coming. Tickets had almost sold out immediately upon the announcement. And AEW had struck a deal with UK channel ITV to broadcast AEW. And a big one, probably the biggest one for them, was that AEW and Warner Media struck a deal to air their weekly show on TNT, the first time professional wrestling had been on Turner TV since 2001. <laughs> so for a company that was taken over by AOL and told that they don't want wrestling on their programming to almost 20 years later, coming back with a wrestling, with a TV deal for wrestling on their channel. It's kind of, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's kind of a nice kind of like, there's an it's irony the to that. that. It's the way that these things go around. It's Ted Turner. It's Ted Turner going to Vincent Man. I think you and I are destined to do this forever. <laughs> uh, so this, all this buzz leads us to their very first pay per view. Well, to their first pay per view, Double or Nothing, which was quite the event to say the least. The AEW Championship was revealed by none other than Bret the Hitman Hart being announced by Jack Whitehall of all people. <laughs> Because, of course. Because <laughs> Jack Whitehall's a big fan of wrestling, but also is friends with Tony Khan, because, of course. <laughs> I just love that little anecdote. Jack Whitehall, of all people. <laughs> yes, because that's really who I want more of in my wrestling, Jack Whitehall. <laughs> we had Cody and Dustin having the match that we all wanted to see from them. Of course, which, of course, led us to the, I don't need a partner, I need my older brother. I mean that, but it is actually a genuinely good match from the pair of them. It is it's brilliant. It's a great match. Uh, and Jericho and Kenny Omega continuing their feud that kind of started all of this. <laughs> Jericho and Kenny Omega are to blame for all of this happening, really. They, they feuded so hard, they started a company just so they could feud more. <laughs> exactly. But the ending of this pay-per-view was all the more sweeter for who should show up than none other than John Moxley to one of the biggest pops in modern wrestling. 
I went back and watched this and holy crap, the all, the crowd went, came unglued when John walked through the crowd and jumped over the uh, the guardrail. Like there yeah. is, I have not heard like such a crowd go from like zero to a hundred immediately upon John Moxley walking out. And it was awesome because we got, because like we'd seen like at that time uh, in 2019, we had seen like Dean Ambrose kind of get jobbed out unfairly just by my I add because all all because yeah. he didn't want to renew a contract and they thought oh well we'll do some damage control we don't want to kind of you know if he goes somewhere else we want to kind of him to be kind of damaged goods so don't, don't take him seriously but i feel like maybe he's kind of like become the rest was one of the wrestlers that went you know no 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 screw you i'm, I'm gonna make this work and boy it did not it did not make him damage goods whatsoever as a matter of fact i think after leaving he became one of the most sought out people in pro wrestling yep <laughs> and gosh man i mean more you know we'll talk about john moxley as i go through this but man he's done so well for himself since leaving wwe oh, he's yeah, done he's been everything great. that he wanted to do <laughs> so after this double or nothing and the huge success of this uh, of this pay-per-view aew would put on two more events in the summer one called fighter fest and the other called fight for the fallen before announcing another pay-per-view almost one year to the date in all in and they called it creatively they called it all out <laughs> it's just like the creativity on show <laughs> this event also took place in chicago so you know you see you see a a, a sort of kind of like correlation for me <laughs> this event though saw the unveiling of the aew women's championship that would eventually be won by riho and in a solid solid main event Chris Jericho defeated Hangman Page to become the inaugural AEW champion. This, of course, spawned the now infamous a little bit of the bubbly <laughs> line afterwards. Ah, uh, yes. That re- that had a grip on wrestling fans. It did. It it did. I, I, and maybe still does in a way. I don't know if we've. I don't know if we're in a post bubbly world yet. To be quite honest with you, I think we most. I think we mostly are. I still hear people say Le Champion, which still hurts me. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean the fact have, that now we have now we have the Jericho Appreciation Society. <laughs> but to be fair, my favorite thing about that is that more people care about uh, Daddy Magic than anything else. Yes. <laughs> which, to be fair, is understandable because he looks like he's done a line between before every promo yeah he really yeah. does oh man i love 2.0 so much <laughs> um but oh gosh yeah you know what tony card's a great business there because soon after this he struck a deal with Stephen amell's um vi- uh, vineyard to produce a line of sparkling wine called a little bit of the bubbly <laughs> Excellent. I remember when we started this, we actually entertained the idea of buying some, and I was like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> I think, personally, you're a coward who should have gone in on it. I mean, I, I'm sure we can still do it. I'm pretty sure the import costs won't be too much. All right. I'll have a look. <laughs> As you do that, Dad, I'll keep going. So after All Out... Warner Media and TNT announced that on the 19th of September, on the 19th of September, via their website, that Wednesday Night Dynamite would premiere on the 2nd of October. 
The show was a massive success, pulling in 1.409 million viewers, making it TNT's largest debut show in over nine years. This, wow. though, also gave WWE the impetus to move NXT to Wednesdays to obviously compete and choke out AEW in the ratings. As if that even yeah, matters that nowadays, whole, that ratings. Was a, that, was a whole, that was a whole thing. That's that was a thing. That was the point. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like, it's like, as, as we've always said, as if ratings matters in today's media. Because <laughs> who watches television nowadays, you know? <laughs> they just didn't think of it. Uh, but all in all, AEW was generating numbers in its first week on TV and creating a lot of buzz for fans of wrestling who just wanted something a little bit different to WWE. They announced a third, uh, a third pay-per-view called Full Gear in November, which saw an amazing lights-out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. And Warner Media, after this, even announced a contract extension for the company, leading them all the way to 2023. And they even gave them a time slot for a second TV show. And this is all in 2019, by the way, just as they get got started. <laughs> so this is. For all intents and purposes, this is a very strong, positive start for a wrestling company. <laughs> I mean, looking to, to the next year, they would they had a strong foundation to be on, to for further progress their product, and to take it across the US and beyond. But then something happened that changed everything for everyone. <laughs> this brings me to the next chapter, COVID! Ah, uh, yes. Ah. Uh, so as other sports cancellations and postponements were being announced in March 2020, AEW began to get impacted due to the onset of the pandemic. Now, following the suspension of the NBA season after two players tested positive for it, the March 18th episode of Dynamite was held behind closed doors at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, I remember the, the announcement, it opened up on Cody and the Bucks kind of being in the middle of the ring, not saying, we're not quite sure how we go forward from this because we didn't know we were going to have a show this week and we don't not quite so sure we will be having a show from now on. Yeah. Uh, of course, Double or Nothing was supposed to take place on, May, uh, on the 23rd of May, then on the April, April the 8th, but then the MGM Grand Garden announced that they cancelled all events <laughs> due, to the, uh, to, due to the pandemic because uh, at that point Nevada had been in, had been placed into a state of emergency <laughs> banning all ga public ga gatherings indefinitely um, that, and so in that case they announced that Double or Nothing would be moved to Daly's place as well as the TIAA Bankfield uh, Jacksonville's home uh, for the main event match now in April Florida Governor Ron DeSantis deemed AEW, like WWE, an essential business critical to the state's economy and added them as an exception under the state's stay-at-home order uh, for employees of a professional sports and media production. Now, we... I mean, as we were... You know, we talked about it in the first few weeks of us in this podcast that, that we were a bit iffy about all this going on. And I still stand by that. I still feel very iffy about companies like WWE and AEW still going on during this time. Yeah. Um, I was just, it's, it's iffy. I mean, I mean, Joseph made an incredible video back during that time in 2020 talking about, you know, 
why how a company's still going on at this time and basically the short answer is it's capitalism Yes. baby. <laughs> so, uh, Tony Khan, actually, on an episode of AEW Unrestricted, which is actually a really good podcast series on AEW's channel, go check it out because they've had some really good episodes. They've had, like, one of my favorites was, uh, some of my favorites were Sting, Eddie Kingston, Lee Moriarty. Good, really good. I mean, Aubrey Edwards and like, Tony Schiavone are really good podcast hosts. Not as good as us three, but you know. <laughs> Danhausen one's great. Danhausen's the Danhausen one's amazing. But on uh, on the Tony Khan episode, he went on and actually said that the pandemic deprived AEW of millions of dollars, like literal oh, yeah. millions in oh, revenue oh, from yeah. live well, events. Yeah, because it's, because it's things as well, like um, where they had the deal with. Um, so they had to deal with OWE with Shima, mm-hmm. and they were going to do like a crossover show with that, which obviously didn't happen. Yeah. So that probably cost them a bunch of money because then that cost them um, that that cost them China money. That co- yeah yeah that's yeah yeah that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I'd, re- I'd imagine they'd hazard a guess that they could be in a very... They might be in a, a, a very similar place as they are right now, but I can imagine they'd probably be in a, in a better, probably even better financial position if the, if, if the, if the pandemic hadn't happened. <laughs> All of that being said, though, I'm going to go over some of the things that we had during the Daily's Place era. Which you can call yeah. it because basically all of the all the things that we kind of the set the foundation of AEW kind of all took place in Daly's place. I've had, of course, we had well, double that's the thing. Mm. It's a bit of a blessing, also, if a blessing in disguise that during all of that they still were managing to produce some really good moments, despite you know the questionable nature of being able to stay on <laughs> on TV. <laughs> Um, that first episode, as a matter of fact, saw the debut of Matt Hardy in AEW. Yes, with where the, it has him just standing menacingly in the rafters. And being able to teleport from one like, end to the other, which yeah, is hilarious. Know, that's, that's just Matt Hardy. Uh, we saw the debut of the exalted one of the Dark Order, yeah. uh, Brody Lee. And I feel with this as well, one of my favourites in the lead up to this, up to Double or Nothing, was the storyline between Chris Jericho and John Moxley for the AEW Championship. Yeah. Now, if you ask me, a great rivalry, a terrific match from them, and John Moxley, of course, would end up becoming AEW Champion. Now, in my end of year awards for 2020, I, you know, I had Moxley up there as one of my absolute favorites of the year, and that's because he single-handedly carried that company through a pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. he did honestly, one of my favorite title reigns in modern history was John Moxley's title reign as AEW champion. Because he did an outstanding job in the face of so much <laughs> in the face of so much adversity and the world seemingly exploding. John Moxley did the Lord's work. <laughs> As a champion for a company. <laughs> he had some fantastic matches as well. Uh, from a newly debuting Eddie Kingston as well. <clears throat> coming in yeah. and having a, an amazing match at full gear. That, that debut though. <laughs> that debut against Cody. Yo, 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 yo. Oh, that was, that was full of piss and vinegar. And pure piss and vinegar. He's <laughs> just aggressively... <clears throat> um, it's just so aggressively New York. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, it's a tremendous job, like, through that time. And on August 20th, of course, uh, the CDC, following their uh, guidelines, including, of course, social distancing, temperature checks, mask wearing, they would begin to eventually open up segments of, of Daily's Place to audiences. And I remember the very first... Uh, the very first uh, dynamite that they came back with, uh, they allowed up to ten percent of the capacity audience, and it was a really good show because it opened with Handman Page versus Brian Cage, and a terrific opener. And then they had, uh, they had, um, I believe it was Mox. It might have been Mox and Eddie Kings. Oh no, no, that's twenty twenty one. Forgive me. I am going way forward, but of course, but actually, no, it would have been, if memory serves me correct, one of the very first would have been Winter is Coming in 2020, which saw the debut of Sting uh, in December 2020. So I've I've messed my timelines up, so apologies for that. Um, Forgive you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. During this time as well, in November 20, uh, 2020, they announced AEW Games, a subsidiary of All Elite Wrestling dedicated to games development. They announced that there were three games uh, that they were currently working on, which included AEW Casino. Again, gambling games, make of that what you will. I'm not the biggest fan of them. Uh, AEW yeah. Elite General Manager for Mobiles, which apparently is really good. I've actually ha- played it a couple of times, and it is quite a oh, nice yeah. little kind of like shut your brain off kind of sort of uh, mobile game. My, my only issue with it is that um, it is... I don't know what it is with it, but it it runs so weirdly slow on a lot of phones. Like it, it uses so much more power than it yeah. really needs. Um, I also hate to disappoint, but I've been unable to track down anyone that is still selling bottles of a little bit of, of a little bit of the bubbly. But we could buy some wine from Stephen Amell. I mean, it's, I mean, it's better than nothing. His 2019 I mean, red blend called Kayfabe. Oh, Stephen Amell, the man after my own heart. You know what? I'm a little more convinced. I'm a little more convinced. Um, He's a man after my own. I mean, I don't even drink wine. I'm not. I don't even drink. But uh, linking linking back to our last episode, the description says kayfabe red blend. On September first, two thousand eighteen, I attempted to destroy Christopher Daniels with an elbow drop off the top rope. I missed. (laughs) (laughs) He's honest. Yep. And of course, the third game was an untitled, at that time, console game developed, which was the biggest surprise, developed by former WWE developer, Ukes. Which we now know is called AEW Fight Forever, I believe. I I believe. I'm quite excited for that game. I know a lot of people have been, like, iffy about it, and of course there's been stories about it, but I'm still kind of excited for that game. I mean, the pre-release footage hasn't exactly been promising i'll say but true like, i know they're going for a very kind like it, of it, it, um it's first it's first development though right they're going for like, a less more kind of oh what's what's the um they're going they're going for like the kind of n64 aesthetic yes which is fine by me that everything's honest. out of proportion because the console literally couldn't handle realistic proportions exactly exactly and then and they're not mo-capping moves they're actually hand animating them which i think's yeah. kind of going to the jitteriness maybe sometimes of transitions from strike to move and That's then back to really, static. I'm. Do we know why? That's um. It's it's purely stylistic because like they couldn't. I mean, they. I don't know if they did. I don't think they did mo capping for some of like the early PS One games. No, it was all hand anim- animated was it, was up it until animated? it was all like hand. I think like, it's two thousand and six. Up until two thousand and six, yeah. every single move in um 
the WWE games and the SmackDown fact, games. Some of those still survive into the 2K games today, actually. The Vertebraker is, I think, one of the very obvious moves that still is one of the hand-animated moves. I think it's that. I also think there's certain ones, like some of the Brain Busters have been in the game yep. since, like, forever. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, they're like we want to. It's it's keeping in line with that kind of like no mercy aesthetic feeling, which I'm excited for. I mean, you know, it, it'd be nice to have a nice alternative, as is always the case. Like this is well, what AEW's mission statement is to be a an alternative to the other like other companies and what they're doing. Yeah, and besides, you got Uke, so it must be a good thing. I mean, like to have a I, I have a. A, an established developer who kind of has more than enough experience in doing wrestling games. So, yeah, we'll see what it's like come September, which is the rumoured release date. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to set a little bit of time aside as we're talking about this uh, time, uh, the Daily's the Daily's Place era, to talk about one person in particular who had uh, an incredible uh, sh- uh, a credible run with the company. It was a very short run, but it was one that I still think lives in the hearts of a lot of people, and that, of course, is Brody Lee. The former Luke Harper, who um, was, if you ask me, and I think you ask anyone, was probably one of the most underutilized talents that WWE had had for a very long time. A true big guy with unbelievable agility, and a guy who, you know, if you gave him the opportunity, could really do a good promo, but was never given that chance to really express himself on that sort of platform. Um, so after getting his release from the company, he was revealed to be the exalted one of the Dark Order. Great choice. I know a lot of people were thinking of Matt Hardy being the exalted one, which, again, I, I would have been an obvious choice and a good one at that. But to make it Brody Lee was a surprising one but paid off dividends in the future because we got incredibly good promos from uh, from Mr. Brody Lee becoming a caricature of a certain owner of a multi-billion dollar company and him, one of my favourite things that Brody would do during backstage segments is just grab a whole pile of, of papers and roll them up and throw them at Evil Uno on John Silver's head. <laughs> This That's is, the way to do it. That is absolutely the way to do it. And of course, this led to Brody Lee having a really good rivalry and probably one of Cody's best rivalries in his time in AEW. Uh, this also saw Brody become AEW TNT champion. Um, yep. A short run, if you ask me. Uh, a run that should have lasted a little bit longer. Um, but uh, there is a lot of factors that... Uh, that um, come into play from that uh, a lot of that was due to cody going off i believe it was to film arrow for a, uh, of another season of arrow um and brody had been suffering from some health comp- uh, health issues so they had to yeah. quickly drop the title in a really good dog collar match a surprisingly good dog collar match and very brutal as a matter of fact um but then again, but after that, Brody had kind of taken a leave of absence and he needed to kind of rest up on his health issues and some nagging injuries. Little did we all know that that would be the last time we would see Brody in a, in the ring. Mm-hmm. As on, it, which still shocks me because 
I was, you know, we, you know, ever all the issues we heard, you know, Christmas, we weren't allowed to see other family members that are outside of a house in Christmas. We were trying to make a good, you know, go of it as best we could. I remember hanging out with you guys for a little bit, playing some wrestling games and probably setting up. So we were setting up like the Christmas episode. We were going to be setting up the, the special streams that we were doing. As well, we were watching yeah, the Fatal right. Deviation, playing No Mercy. We're doing No Mercy Stable Wars with Hayden, and then on Christmas, on Boxing Day, we all got the shock of a lifetime when we heard that Brody Lee had passed away. Mm. And I don't know about you guys, it absolutely shocked the hell out of me. It, it shocked me because I was, I just, I just didn't even like contemplate it it's like what what do you mean what do you mean he's passed away that was my like wait what do you mean he's passed away yeah no that's literally it though because it like you know that there was no time to process it i mean it was the 26th wasn't it yeah it was boxing day yeah so like it was just like it was literally just like that psychological like whiplash Mm. especially as well because we'd obviously seen what he'd been doing we'd seen how you know, the point that he had reached and then you get hit with that very kind of I can't describe the thing exactly, but it's like when you get hit with that oh Yeah. You just kind of stand there and you're just like what 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 do we do now? Yeah. I think that that was the wrestling world, I think, in in a nutshell, when they heard that. It's like a lot of I think oh gosh, I remember New Legacy was streaming Payday 2 mm-hmm. um, when they got when the chat started going crazy about it and then it's it's you can hear you can hear it in Johnny's voice the the absolute shock when he says Brody Lee died and it's just mm-hmm. yeah it's just oh it's it brings it's it's, so, it's just bringing up the the sadness that every everyone and I just mean everyone, you know, everyone in wrestling, everyone out of wrestling, fans, wrestlers, colleagues, everyone had that shared shock and sadness to 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 this to Brody's passing, and I you know I can't think of a I tell you like AEW could not have done it better what they did because on the uh, the 30th of december on the wednesday that dynamite was uh mm-hmm. then memorialized as the Brody lee celebration of life and it was one of the best tribute shows i think i've ever seen in professional wrestling oh yeah absolutely it had so many like it had so many great matches in that in that um in that during that show so we had we had cabana and the young bucks taking on matt hardy and private party uh, Lance Archer and the Dark Order of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson taking on Eddie Kingston, Butcher and the Blade. We had Hangman Page and uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver defeating the Inner Circle, um, mm-hmm. which saw probably one of the best things, seeing Negative One, Brody, uh, Brody, um, Brody Jr. taking a kendo stick and whacking MJF over the head with it. Beautiful. Um I just, I that moment, I just lives with me so much because it's just the look of pure joy on Brody Junior's face after whacking MJF over the head, and Tony Schiavone screaming, "Do it again! Do it again!" <laughs> also, John Silver with a blaze of glory. 
like probably one of the best blazes of glory I've ever seen the wrestler do. That match was really emotional because I remember um, Excalibur kind of breaking down at that point as well, like at the end of that match. And of course, we saw we saw Eric Redbeard mm-hmm. during this match as well. Uh, we had Anna Jay and Ty, Ty Conti going up against Brick Baker and Penelope Ford. And Cody, Orange Cassidy, and Negative One's favorite wrestler, Preston Vance, number 10, of course, taking on Team Taz. Um, The ending of this also saw um, Tony giving the original TNT title to Brody Jr. and becoming the forever champion uh, um, of the TNT championship. It was an emotional one, for damn sure. Um, It was... A really, really good tribute, probably, and this was actually the show that CM Punk ended up watching and going. I think I need to talk to Tony Khan. Mm-hmm. Uh, give you some numbers as well. Um, this averaged nine hundred and seventy-seven thousand viewers on TNT. Point uh, four zero rating in AEW's key demographic. It's one of the highest rated shows during the Christmas period on TNT as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Shop AEW released a tribute shirt, and that became the biggest selling shirt over a 24-hour period, and it broke that record in two hours. God. Just... It's just Crazy. Crazy. And man, it still still lives with me, man. And every time I, you know, think about that uh, that time, I, you know, bro, I just, just all sense of purposes, I just kind of like Brody Lee was a bloody good wrestler, man. He was a oh, fantastic oh, wrestler, and it oh, looked like they were gearing him for an AEW Championship run as well. And it's just <clears throat> he is missed. Yeah. He is absolutely missed. Um, and I wish the Huber family nothing but love because uh, they they do deserve it. And man, I'm so looking forward to see what like Brody Jr. does. If he becomes a wrestler, I've heard that once, you know, that he has been signed like um, like a, like an informal contract. It's like Brody Jr. Like Brody, if you want the contract at 16, you want to learn how to become a wrestler. We're here. We're going to teach you how to wrestle. And that's yeah, a really that's nice, good move. That's a, such a goodwill gesture gesture from Tony to go. If you want to do it, by all means, we're here. We'll let you do it when you when you want to do it. Yeah. Um, but damn, yeah. We love you, Brody. We love you. Yeah, yeah we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Moving on, then. We go to the next part of AEW, which is uh, what I've called Kenny Omega, the belt collector. That's fair. Yep. <laughs> So That's coming fair. up to the end of 2020-2021, we saw that John Moxley had finally dropped the title to one Kenneth Omega. And this brings us to the 2020, late 2020-2021 era of professional wrestling in AEW. Now, during this time, Kenny was... I could I imagine, from what I can see and hear... That kind of Tony Khan kind of almost felt like, all right, we need to get some more ratings. We're, you know, we're still kind of locked down. We're still only playing to us like a limited audience. What can we do? What can we do to generate interest? 
I know, let us blow the door open and let's start collaborating with more promotions. Okay, so brilliant, right? We've got Don Callis from Impact coming in on a more regular basis. So let's work around that. Let's have Kenny win the title uh, from John Moxley. Don Callis' assistance and we'll run out and then and we'll make the big shock announcement. Don says, you want to find out what happened? Tune in on Impact on Wednesday. Which I remember that was quite a surprise and a shock for a lot of people to go, oh, wait yeah. a minute, Impact? Yeah. I think that was a key part of it. It's like, wait, Impact? What are they going to do with this? <laughs> we have to pay attention to Impact? <laughs> Dog, literally. I know that's mean. I know that's mean. But... Yeah, you're mean. This is mean, but like it's entirely justified. Someone hit me up with a question the other day that was like, who would you want to see from Impact go to WWE? And I was like, I can't even remember who's with Impact. <laughs> and Moose at this point, because he's everything they want, really, in a wrestler. Bro, I mean, uh, there's never going to be any point where I'm recommending him. <laughs> respectfully. <laughs> Actually, no, not even respectfully. <laughs> so... This kicked off Kenny Omega's big run as world champion of the universe at this point. Because during this, he ended up having a really good match in Impact against Rich Swan for the Impact World Championship. He ended up becoming Triple A Mega Champion as well. And uh, this saw him come out with all of the belts. <laughs> yes. Being fronted by, with, by Don Callis and the Young Bucks. Now, here's the thing. I know a lot of people in 2021, when they talk about it, Kenny seems to be the anomaly. People didn't like Kenny's run with the title. But what I will say is, even though it wasn't as good as it could be, and I myself at times wasn't the biggest fan of it, I can I think kind of... I think it was a very love it or hate it thing. Because I saw some yeah. people raving about it and some people who were like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yes. Mm. But I feel like that kind of generally tracks with just Kenny Omega. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I felt like Tony and Kenny, they were in a bit of a situation they really couldn't get themselves out of. They kind of had to, they needed to generate interest in a way that love it or hate it could generate viewership and people talking. And I can't think of a better way to do it than make Kenny Omega ruler of the universe, <laughs> of the wrestling universe. <laughs> um, you know, you could do it better ways, but I think I don't know. I I honestly didn't don't know if you know if you put Kenny in that position, what's the better way to do it than make him that? Um, of course, this title reign of Kenny saw the infamous match at Revolution, the very first exploding barbed wire death match on American soil, which ended with a bit of a damp squib. I was gonna say it was quite the squib. Um, although I will say is that Eddie Kingston doing the greatest babyface turn in professional yeah, wrestling. <laughs> He by, put his heart and soul into that. By running out and telling the Butcher and the Blade to go fuck themselves as he covered John Moxley because he couldn't get him out of the ring and then both died after a plume of smoke. Well, I say a plume of smoke, but more like yeah. a fart cloud of smoke. <laughs> Just a couple a couple sparklers went off. <laughs> God damn it, Pyro team. Of course, this, gave he... us, this also gave us one of the best promos Kenny Omega's ever had when they recreated that and he said, 69 me, Don! 69 me! <laughs> Just, we live in a very strange time. <laughs> it's it's so it's so good. It, you know they tried to work out of it when they did the whole thing. And they're like, "Oh, we think Impact paid for the ring." <laughs> Personally, I would have just owned it. Yeah, I would have I would have just gone all in on the what you thought we were actually going to have it explode. <laughs> <laughs> 
and just they be like, look at, just like, look at you, you idiots, and then have them walk back out with like Kenny and the Bucks like laughing at um, Eddie and Mox. You know what makes me laugh about this, right? The health and safety concerns, despite the fact they were in an outside arena. <laughs> <laughs> they could have done it. <laughs> they could have done at least Oniza levels of explosions, dude. <laughs> I bet you, though, if they did that, then someone from like the state athletic commission would roll around and be like, "Excuse me, you're gonna have to pay another seventy thousand pounds for this or dollars." Sorry. True. True. Very. True. What's that? You have you have fireworks involved? Sorry, your show's banned. <laughs> Oh man! So yeah, this this produced that. It also gave us some more Forbidden Door stuff happening. We had more instances of people from Impact coming over. We had more instances of a couple of New Japan appearances here and there. We saw Kenta making an appearance all of a sudden. I, I love hold, this. Hold up, hold up with me for a second. Yep. Absolutely, this should have been a launching point for Chris Bay. This absolutely should have been a point. Chris Bay and Trey Miguel should have been coming out hot from this. Absolutely. And it's a shame. It's a bloody sacrilege at this point that they're not, you know, that they weren't making appearances at that time. This also did give us Kenta telling Kenny Omega to go fuck himself. (laughs) So, you know, there's always that. That's a a certified Kenta moment. (laughs) Um, Oh, man, Kenta coming in was huge and so much fun. I would love more of Kenta coming into AEW because he was quite good. Exactly, but we also He's got Yuji. Quite Ni- good at the grapples. We also got Yuji Nagata coming in, so you know yeah, that's that was awesome. Based. That was absolutely based. The first time that Yuji Nagata had been on uh, TNT since 1998. Crazy, well, I isn't love, it? I love Yuji Nagata. Don't Just an angry old man. <laughs> angry old man in the days of Anokiism, he still manages to kick people's ass to this day. Uh, but yeah, we also we also got this Satoshi Kojima as well. We've got Satoshi Kojima. We'll get to that. We will get to that. Uh, but also during this time, kind of getting away from Kenny Omega, also gave rise to a lot of unexpected people. Uh, a lot of people that not a lot of people knew at that time that they had signed to the company. Now starting to get increasingly popular with fans. Now, of course, the biggest the biggest example of this is everybody's favorite orange cassidy because it just uh, yes. it just works it really just he just fits in so well yeah for a man who ended up being one of the uh <laughs> to being one of the uh to being fire ant in shikara <laughs> to then becoming probably one of the most over gimmicks in wrestling just being it's, a it's, man it's... who does the bare minimum in a professional See, this wrestling is, this is the thing i was gonna say right if you've seen joseph's video and if you haven't go and watch it if you yes. have seen it video he is like the most greatest version of like a postmodern wrestler of where yeah everyone's doing the most so when you do the least you stand out (laughs) exactly exactly and he did god did he do it and then some like he had a terrific match with pack at revolution he had he had a well he had a rivalry with chris jericho where he absolutely carried that rivalry i'm sorry to say say, he made mimosa mayhem almost watchable yes (laughs) 
he ended up having a really good rivalry with Kip Sabian as well at this point. Yeah. Him and the best friends had a great rivalry yeah, there. Kip Sabian, by the way. Exactly. I really hope so, because he is he is good. Kip Sabian is, is that really me underrated. having UK bias? I yes, think maybe but just, that's okay. Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. Only a little bit. <laughs> We're not going to ding. Are we going to ding you for having UK bias? No. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> we also saw Ricky Starks coming in from the NWA during that relationship and still becoming like... I mean, we. I, here's the thing. Now, we Ricky still Starks love Ricky best. Starks. <laughs> Ricky Starks is the best, man. And working with Team Taz alongside Powerhouse Hobbs. I feel like Team Taz is, is an unsung group of the Daily's Place era. Well, they, they, they are, but the problem is they never did enough with them. And which they should have. And they Ricky should Starks still do. Because Ricky Starks is still there with the FTW, which I'm not mad at. Yeah. Um, but like he should have been... He should be in TNT. He should be in world title contention, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs is just kind of doing his thing. I wish he'd do more. Um, I still think they need to get uh, a woman on the team. They need Layla Hirsch. Yes. And I was going to say Marie. I was going to yeah. And Hook, Hook's just Hook, which we, I will. I wish we, again we will maintain. The debut of Hook was like one of the best slow burns. Yeah, that's yes. great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man, who, who comes else? out to action Bronson? Exactly. What else could you want? <laughs> exactly. Oh man, we also saw during this time, we also saw uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus slowly winging the crowd over. That's a JR for always insisting on doing the full Jungle Boy Jack Perry. <laughs> <laughs> no one else does it except JR. Don't remember that he's Luke Perry's son, crying out loud. <laughs> He's a professional. That's, it's, that's it's, why. It's, it's the commitment to it. He's a professional. <laughs> you know, he's a professional. You got to do the oh, whole God, bit. The whole bit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, we saw, you know, the inner circle, members of the inner circle becoming increasingly popular. Of course, Santana and Ortiz, I think, was probably the most at this yes. at that time. and still are probably one of the most popular tag teams in AEW. I'd say, well, minus uh, minus the, the tag team that came in. The tag team that always wanted the match with the Young Bucks. Of course, we got FTR finally coming in, which was awesome. <laughs> and of course, it's, I mean, I'm going, I'm beating around the bush because I don't want to get in this bad, and this guy's bad books, even though he probably will still punk us out. Yeah, MJF. Yeah. Probably not unexpected, but inevitable. We kind of yeah. knew he'd be hitting the top, and like he has, and then some. He had he had his little wobbly patch, we'll say. Yes, me, me and but my shadow. Then kind of after he had that wobbly patch, he then just like turned it back on to being good again. So like I can't be too mad at it. True. Same. Same. I mean, I can be mad at what he said. True. Like, again, afterwards he turned it around and then like got back into like doing actual good heel heat stuff. Yeah. So. I agree. I agree. And that's, this is taking nothing away from the female division, despite being sh- like despite being the fact that it being hamstrung so heavily, so heavily, so so heavily. Man, it was carried by uh, people like Hikaru Shida, uh, Brit Riho, ba- Riho, Brick Baker, Chris Statlander, Nyla Rose. Shout out to Nyla Rose. You're freaking awesome. 
Red Velvet. And of course, Jade Cargill coming in for that tag match with Shaquille O'Neal versus Cody and Red Velvet. <laughs> By the way, why is Shaquille O'Neal not back in AEW and having that match with Paul White? <laughs> I, because we don't live in a good and just society, that's why. <laughs> I love the can we fact... Get, can we get Shaquille O'Neal versus Satnam Singh in like, probably the worst match you'll ever see, but it will just be funny? Uh, officiated by the great Carly. <laughs> Yes. Maybe yes. free count? <laughs> maybe maybe special ref. I love the fact that during that match that Shaquille O'Neal was wearing his old school Reeboks as well. I think they oh, got yeah. recommission like he had a commission like a recommission like repress of those Reeboks as well. Dude, Shaquille O'Neal took a table bump. <laughs> One hell of a table bump, my eye. You know how certified that is. <laughs> Oh, shout-outs as well in the female division to Abaddon as well. Yeah. I love Abaddon. Abaddon's great. Get Abaddon on TV. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Thunder Rosa as well. Like, we talk about the female division this time. Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Thunder Rosa was work-coursing that division. (laughs) Yeah. One of the best gets from, like, the relationship with NWA was getting Thunder Rosa in. Basically, basically, they went in there with the relationship with NWA and were like, maybe we'll get Nick Aldis out of this and then actually came out with Thunder Rosa and Ricky Starks and I can't lie, it's probably been a better investment. (laughs) True. True. Kings Lynn can only take you so far. <laughs> oh, so the I feel like it's because I feel like a lot of people thought like we have these guys and they bring these guys in like Chris Jericho might be the guy to bring them forward and as well as people like uh, Christian Cage coming in, Kenny, the Bucks, all of those guys. I liked putting these people out because. They were so unexpected that people... I don't think a lot of people would have expected them to be as popular as the established stars and main eventers. Well, it's just like we were worried that, obviously, like the NWA relationship, it was just going to be like a really cursed one-sided thing. And it kind of was in the end. True. Like we, had a, we had a couple NWA title ma- women's title matches on TV, and obviously Ricky Starks became Ricky Starks. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Um, oh, man. There's one person in particular, gents, that I wanted to bring up as well with the rise of the unexpected. Uh, I, the, I say unexpected, but a man we we all sort thought was going to come to the company after being released during the mass releases of 2020. But boy, did he make a situation, take it, ran with it, and ended up becoming one of the most popular acts in AEW. I, of course, am referring to the Redeemer, God's favourite champion, Miro. <laughs> Look right when, uh, he first, when yes. he when he first came in. I can't lie; the entire gimmick was ass. The best man gimmick then, was a bit mm, yeah. <laughs> well, because it was basically he was just like, haha, I am funny gamer man, and I'm like, you're not though. <laughs> like you are in you are in yes. real life, but like also you're not. And then he just came in and then started off a promo, basically being like, I'm gonna fight God, and I was like, this is all I needed to know. <laughs> yes. Yes, and he yes, started yes, looking yes. more and more like Kurtz from Apocalypse Now with each promo. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I can get into this. Like, he was just there and was just like, just so you know, I believe in God and I have my and I have my wife and that's all I need and I will kill you. And I was just like, that's all I needed to know. And he became he became TNT champion after pretty much flinging Darby Allen all over the place. <laughs> 
as he should. That's the way you do that match. And became and became probably up to this point probably one of the most popular TNT champions in its t- oh, yeah. in the title's history. So oh, much yeah. so that I know that a lot of people in the comments section when there's a TNT segment still like, can we just have Miro back, please? I'm waiting for the moment that like they do all that they do all this. I, Miro coming back and just murderizing Sammy Guevara. Yes, and then going to Forbidden Door and going, Tomohiro Ishii, who has the better head, me or you? <laughs> who is a bigger human brick? <laughs> <laughs> but no, Miro, Miro's been one of the most surprising unexpected moments. I, think, I, I say unexpected because we expected him to be there. We expected him to have a good run, but I don't think we expected him to be one of the most popular acts in AEW and having such a career the, renaissance. I think the thing is, is because... Unlike a lot of people, he was kind of the first, like, solely WWE-trained guys that they had Mm. that came over. So we were like, well, we don't really know what he can do without being Rusev. Like, Mm. Rusev was always basically just Rusev. It was like, okay, you boo him because he's Russian. (laughs) Haha, get it? (laughs) Whereas then now he came in and we saw, like, this new character he made, like, on his own. And we're like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. so brilliant <laughs> so of all that let's go back to well return to crowds in may 2021 aew finally announced they would be returning to live touring beginning with a special episode of wednesday night dynamite titled the road rager in miami florida to become in turn this would become the first major pro wrestling promotion to resume live touring since the pandemic now this was the very first in a four-week span of special Dynamite episodes known as the Welcome Back Tour, which continued on with Fighter Fest, and then Fight for the Fallen, uh, and then eventually, I believe it was Grand Slam that would end it. But I'm getting ahead of yeah. myself. Road Rager saw the debut of one Malachi Black as well. Mm-hmm. A huge yes. thing to start off. Of course, then we we get into we get into the the tours we get into a, a really good uh, fight for the fallen as well as fighter fest and this of course end up culminating in grand slam taking place at the Arthur Ashe stadium to 20,000 spectators all sold out immediately when it's announced now i'm not going to get into the card just yet because i'm getting ahead of myself i want to come back and roll it back a little bit before this before grand slam was due to happen in august it was revealed that dark would now begin getting taped within Universal Studios Florida in Soundstage 21, the very first wrestling company to come back to Universal Studios since TNA filmed in, in, in uh, Universal Studios. I'm telling you, he was ahead of his time. <laughs> so, of course, this meant that Dark would have a very consistent home base where it would be easier to, to, to you know, be able to bring wrestlers in to have matches, to hone their craft. Of course... Dark is a very, it's a, it's a very different beast to many major promotions have had because Dark is a show, as of course the name suggested when it started out was the Dark Match segment, but that would be broadcast as a separate show on YouTube. Now it was up until that point, I believe the only company doing that at the moment would have been NWA with the Power Series. And I enjoyed every Wednesday we'd get dark and then we'd get NWA power during that time. So it's a really interesting thing that AEW and NWA were kind of trendsetters for what major promotions are doing now at these days is actually they're giving out free cards on YouTube. And now what you can do is watch uh, 
the WWE pre-show where it's two hours of no wrestling at all. Oh, just book a tea talking in a, in a talking heads panel. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but no, Dark has proven to be quite a nice little, um, kind of the un- like a nice little underrated part of AEW. If you go watch it, you'll have sleeper hit matches you can watch from a lot of talented people. We've seen so many talented people within the indies being making appearances there, as well as having the the undercurrent of the of the AEW roster being there and proving why they are well proving why they should be actually be on dynamite and rampage on a more regular basis there i said i'm saying this right now i'm saying this because i want to see more lee moriarty and more wheeler Utah and daniel garcia on it on dynamite and rampage <laughs> we're getting it slowly but surely finally <laughs> as well as more dark order the world needs more dark order <laughs> so this before I get into Grand Slam, I need to talk about AEW, possibly AEW's biggest pay-per-view to date. All Out 2021. Oh, where do I begin with this? This, for a lot of people, and I'd say it's probably, probably well in their rights to say this, All Out 2021 is possibly... AEW's WrestleMania 17 to this point. I mean, to be honest, I have all the ones recently that would have like challenged it. I'd say it's probably the one up there. So taking place in Chicago, Illinois, to a sold-out attending crowd of 10,000 at the Now Arena. Two weeks before this, the debut episode of Rampage aired on TNT, known mm-hmm. as the as the first dance, I believe. And who should come out to debut for AEW than none other than CM Punk? Wow, it's right. Yes. Two yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. One, inspired choice to do it at the United Center in Chicago. I mean, was it going to be anywhere else? <laughs> Second of all, holy fucking shit. The, the response and the continued response. I have never heard a pop go on so long quite like when cm pug mate walked out is this, the united is, is center thing of like literally like this thing that we just thought that was completely impossible was just had suddenly happened oh man <laughs> it was that yeah, man we talked about it i mean we talked about it when we had uh i believe it was brandon was on or brendan was on mm-hmm. yeah the show and we were doing the it was the week i believe we were doing jinder mahal of all people <laughs> yeah, and we talked about it and we i remember just how goddamn excited we all were about punk coming back to professional wrestling it's, the thing is, it's like i said though it's like i was just there you just kind of at a point to resign yourself to a certain fate yeah <laughs> just like well of course it's not gonna happen and then suddenly the opening riff to cult of personality plays and then i'm like oh shit this is actually happening how do i respond to this situation so basically for this and his name coming up again we have to thank we have to thank in part Stephen amell ah <laughs> uh, Stephen amell just come thrown out coming out with dividends that man <laughs> because of his great show heels which is a really good show by the way I really enjoy Heels. It's a really good uh, TV show about pro wrestling. Uh, CM Punk has a recurring role in that in that show, and it was from that, you know, training, you know, getting into ring shape, 
that it was like, you know what, I think I actually might want to do this again. You know, after seeing the Brody Lee show and doing doing this, I kind of really want to come back to pro. It's like I never didn't not hate it. It was just, it's just Vince took the love out of it from me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so from that, Pug gave a call to Tony. He said, "Kind of want to do this again," you know. <laughs> And so we got Punk coming back and it set up a match between him and Darby Allen for All Out 2021. CM Punk's first wrestling match in, I think it was at that point, seven years. Great, which is crazy. But with all that, all that being said, we we get also a stacked card for All Out 2021. We had in the pre-show, we had a 10-man tag match, which was the best friends going up against Jurassic Express. Um, oh, sorry. Best Friends and Jurassic Express going up against the Hardy Family Office and uh, and the Hybrid 2. Uh, of course, this saw Best Friends and the Jurassic Express winning that match. The opening match, probably my favourite match in the entire card, which was the TNT Championship match, saw Miro going up against Eddie Kingston. Oh, it's a great match. It's a great match. John Moxley going up against Toshi Kojima in a sleeper hit, if you ask me. The crowd was mm-hmm. so behind Kojima. <laughs> it's great to see. Uh, Britt Baker retaining her title uh, against Chris Statlander in a really good match. Uh, oh, Reardon's favorite match of the year. The Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in the steel cage for the tag titles. Everything that I want in wrestling in one neat and lovely package. I love that match. It was such a good match. We had Ruby Soho debuting at the casino in the women's casino battle royale. Great reception for Ruby Soho, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you just loved it. Just that I just loved to see it when she came out to Ruby Soho by Rancid and just the look on her face. It's just you love to see that in wrestling. I will say that maybe Ruby's career has been a bit in AEW so far. A tenure has been a bit hit and miss. Yeah, it hasn't been. Um, I want to see it, but I'm still so behind Ruby, like crazies. I do want to see her, you know, win it. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope, mostly because there's a part of me that kind of doesn't want Serena Deeb to be champion. I'm sorry. I said it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, We had Chris Jericho taking on MJF. Of course, if Chris Jericho lost, he would have to retire from in-ring competition. Not a bad match, mm-hmm. by all means. MJF pulling out some great heel heat during that. I love that he mimicked Jericho's Y2J entrance. Great heel heat there. CM Punk in a terrific match against Darby Allen. Like, Punk was so good in that match. <laughs> and just playing to Darby so well. Uh, like the coffin drop, yeah. the coffin drop spot where Punk just literally sat up and <laughs> just like, yep, no, nope. disgusting. <laughs> I'm not taking that. <laughs> of course, with the penultimate work for me, brother. <laughs> the penultimate match, which I forgot was the penultimate match, saw Paul White defeat QT Marshall in a three minute match. We just saw him yeah, with the KO just, punch. That's just like that's so that's so Paul White though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And of course, the main event saw Kenny Omega defeat Christian Cage in a very, very decent match for the AEW Championship. This match, of course, happened after on the very first rampage, Christian Cage won the Impact Championship in a really good match. I go, I mm-hmm. went back for this, uh, just for this episode to watch that match. 
Christian Cage, I mean, we talked about it. Christian Cage, I mean, he must be, again, it's something in them stem cells. <laughs> the Christian Cage just goes, stem cells and you just go ham. He went ham. And I, it's just so good seeing Christian Cage not only come back from retirement, but to be still be on his top game. And it's the reason why you love Christian Cage, everybody. <laughs> but it wasn't that match that everyone talks about. It was the aftermath of that match and what happened afterwards. Who should come out after Kenny Omega does his spiel about no one even alive alive or dead can stop me? Who should come out back from the dead than Adam Carl? Oh, man. <laughs> Crazy. To win a thunderous applause. And honestly... If they had ended it that way, would have been happy to have seen it end that way. Of course, Adam Cole super kicks Jungle Boy after trying to save Christian Cage from the Elite, and turns out that he has realigned himself with the Elite. And so, I, as I've always loved, I've always loved Kenny Omega's reaction. Like, why are you surprised? We're friends. <laughs> also, doing his He's impression dead. of Steve Urkel, may I add, as well that Kenny Omega did. <laughs> I never want to yeah. hear that again. I never want to hear it again. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> but after saying and trying to say good night, a uh, good uh, yes, goodbye and good night, who should enter but Brian Danielson? <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, We're getting two for man. one, baby. It was we literally just went in like just in like a moment. We we're just like, oh, oh. Wait a second. No. Okay. Wait. Oh. Okay. He's here now as well. Okay then. I felt oh, so every single positive. I feel like I felt like I felt every single positive emotion I could possibly muster in those several minutes. See Adam well, Cole come thing. out, and then Brian Danielson come out. <laughs> oh man, it was it was such a good moment, man. Such a good it moment. Was. <laughs> and so th that is like all that 2021 solidifies AEW as like I feel that's the event that made AEW go look we are legit we are serious about this and we want to provide the best product for the pro wrestling fan in particular so much so look who we've got now we've got Adam Cole for the people who loved NXT we've got Brian Danielson for the people who love pro wrestling <laughs> We got CM Punk to come out of retirement and have a barnstormer of a match with Darby yeah. Allen. We mean business, and we want to be here to provide you with a great alternative. And boy, have they done that in spades. Since I feel since that, of course, we saw the great storyline, the continuing storyline of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page which culminated at uh, last year's Full Gear in, a, in an excellent match between Hangman and Kenny Omega. Full yeah. of full of emotion. Like, the storyline, the build-up to this was terrific. Uh, the moment where the Bucks come out and just kind of give that nod, little nod to Hangman Page, it's all right, okay. Okay, fine. We got you. We got you. We understand now. <laughs> to then do the Buckshot Lariat for the free. Loved that. 
It's uh, that was like such a such a. I loved the story of Hangman. It and was K. just Omega. a cap on everything, really. Yeah, it's starting from the tag team titles, uh, the title picture, to then like Kenny kind of like disowning, if you will, Hangman and K- Hangman being exiled from the elite, uh, the elite, to then him and the 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 love the love story. I'd say the camaraderie between Hangman Page and the Dark Order is probably one of the most feel good things in wrestling at that point. Again, completely unexpected that Hangman Page and the Dark Order would align themselves together. <laughs> but it just worked. It absolutely worked. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, during, Of course, during that um, full gear as well, <coughs> we saw... <clears throat> Sorry, pardon me. We saw Brian Danielson defeating Miro for the uh, during the AEW Championship Eliminator Tournament. Still feel like Miro should have won that, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, maybe because it's just I would have loved to have seen a Hangman Page Miro rivalry. But again, it did give us a, a terrific sixty-minute uh, match between Hangman and Brian. So there you go. Can't complain too much about that. We had. Um, Oh, sorry, we had the Lucha Brothers going up against FTR for the AEW Tag Championships in a in a underrated classic, if you ask me. Uh, we had Christian Cage and Jurassic Express going up and defeating the Super Click. Uh, and we also had uh, <laughs> we we had CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston in one hell of a bloody contest. It's a shame that the best part of that match is literally the start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, of course, and then both of them flipping each other off, being covered in blood. Yeah, it's just the thing of the match starts and just smacks him upside the face. <laughs> and this leads us to right now, where AEW are at this current moment. A lot of things have changed in a short span of time for AEW since since last year. Of course, we've had Hangman Page still being a... I still think a strong champion if a lot of people seem to have kind of died down to Hangman being champion, which is, I guess it's a little bit understandable considering, you know, with a long storyline like that, you want to see the guy become champion, but then it's like afterwards, what do you do with Hangman and how do you go and how do you keep him being a credible champion? I think he's had some really good matches. He's had fantastic matches with Brian Danielson. He gave Lance Archer one of his best matches in AEW by yep. far. We had the uh, the hardcore match, the lights out match, I should uh, I should say, sorry, against Adam Cole, um, where people got angry that he put a barbed wire <laughs> barbed wire crown on Adam Cole because apparently that makes him look like Jesus. <sighs> Listen. Not every like, long-haired like white boy looks like Jesus. Come exactly. on, guys. <laughs> They're like, oh, but it's like close to Easter, isn't it? And I'm like, and? <laughs> the, uh, the of course, the TNT Championship being in a bit of a weird a weird period, of course, after, after Miro had uh, dropped the title to Sammy Guevara. Sammy's been in a really... It's been in a weird position where Sammy's... It's been hot potato. So we've had Sammy being an interim champion, Cody being an interim champion. We had a we have a decent ladder match. There's no taking away from them two. A very decent ladder match for the TNT Championship. And then of course we've seen the we've seen Scorpio Sky with the TNT Championship at this current moment. Which by the way, I'm still gonna say it right now. Scorpio Sky still being a heel champion makes zero sense to me when Scorpio was such a natural babyface being won over by the crowd yeah. during 
covering they, they, that. They keep doing the whole thing of like, oh, um, you know, Sammy is one of the, like the the pillars from the start, and it's like, no. I was going to say, you don't force people into being a pillar role. That happens naturally. Like, the four pillars of all Japan was such a natural thing to happen. I just felt like it was a it's like something to sell a, sell a shirt, really, was that yeah. four pillars thing, if you ask me. Um, I still maintain that Scorpio Sky could be a really good TNT champion, but maybe that's just me, because I've always been a kind of a fan. He There's a bit be. of bias there, because I've always been kind of a fan of Scorpio's work. And he's no, a legit he can, guy. He can, he can and will. They just need to... They need to cut this program with sammy yeah um because oh man as i said like ethan page and scorpio sky that's untapped potential i think they have there especially with ethan page um the tag divisions quite looking quite strong we have jurassic express tag champions um i still one of the strongest in mainstream wrestling the tag division because i mean look who we have for example we have F ftr as the ring of honor and triple a tag champions we have yeah you know the house of black we have Death Triangle, the Dark Order. Um, there are a lot of strong tag teams there that anyone, I think, you know, you could have anyone be tag champions and I think I could get behind them. And I think that's a good thing about them is that at the very least that they're actually, you know, investing in a decent tag division. <laughs> there are options here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The women's division is still a bit... It's getting there, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done for a start. I think they should give them just as much TV time as they do with the male competitors. Yes. Kenny, uh, all props to Kenny still being a producer for the women's division and still being able to put on some great matches, uh, put uh, together great matches with the, uh, with the female talent. Um, I like and appreciate the fact that Kenny has really doubled down on making sure that women's division can be the best women's division that it can be. Um, Got to give him credit for that. Um, even during his time of being completely injured and out of action. Um, it's amazing to know. Did, did you guys ever watch that? Um, the Dr. Bo Hightower episode. We had Kenny in for the chiropractor chiropractic session. Respectfully, I find those videos too weird. <laughs> it's such a niche part, like chiropractor, uh, like a chiropractor YouTube. It's such a weird part of YouTube. Them. They they straddle this weird line where I'm like, they feel almost like. If I say they feel weirdly exploitative, do you understand <laughs> what I mean by that? I know what you yeah. mean. They cross they cross a weird line where it's like everything's kind of like weirdly intimate true it's it's why i couldn't i didn't watch any others because like because some interesting kind of like things happened with the kenny one that i kind of ended up watching it but then again it's like he put kenny through the ring he put him in a lot of pain like there's some really good like screen caps that have been memeified like, of kenny's facial expressions like i i do under i i completely get why people watch them because like the sound and everything is like very very satisfying asmr chiropractor hence why, hence why i have my back stretcher board <laughs> but um like i don't know something about the video something about that that videos and that like genre of content feel it feels weird to me i can't explain it though <laughs> it's no, a it weird is, it is a weird one um 
But this one came up with some really interesting details about Kenny overall and his, con- his health and condition. He had been working with a lot of niggling injuries, shoulder injury, knee injury. As a matter of fact, the way he w- was wrestling, the, the very hard style that he had kind of, you know, made in DDT, took a toll on his body so much that he started suffering from vertigo. <laughs> And for a guy that does a lot of flips and is, does a lot of very high-flying offense, that's crazy to think that he's wrestling nah, with the room. just pure vibes. Pure vibes. He's wrestling with the room spinning around him. Yeah. That's... He's just wrestling on hard mode. <laughs> he's wrestling on drunk mode on GTA 4. Oh, no. <laughs> Love, I need to go bowling. Like I said, pure vibes, pure vibes. And I guess the the biggest change that we've seen very recently with All Elite Wrestling is from its very start is to see that there's been a big change in the backroom staff and the front of house. We saw mm-hmm. Kenny uh, Cody Rhodes, one of the executive vice presidents of All Elite Wrestling, uh, not renew his contract and, of course, go back to the WWE, which, again... We all were, we all were kind of surprised by that, but I guess not shocked by it because it always well, seemed we, like we, we we saw all those stories about how like oh Kenny's like Ken like Kenny and the box disagree with Cody Rhodes over like the direction of stuff. And I'm like it makes sense though because mm, Cody's always had I think Cody's had a very old school mind mentality when it came to all uh, to AEW, whereas uh, Kenny and the Bucks I think came at it with a very different from a very different perspective Cody depending came on Cody came at it with the view of like WCW Kenny and the Bucks were like let's just do PWG but with more money exactly and that again this is all based on stories we've heard through the grapevine you know what the journalists and insiders and sources have said so we don't know if that is actually the the dynamic that was going on within the back room and during the creative process uh, and the all of that stuff with, the, with um, AEW. All we kind of know is that Cody apparently left on quite good terms with Tony. He just said, I'm not incredibly happy with the creative direction and there might be some unfinished business somewhere else. And Tony was like, yeah, you go and do that, you know. I always felt like, with that being said, like, maybe Cody might come back, but then there's a part of me that's like, eh, is the door left open for Cody? Who knows? All I, I know I, is I that Daniel Bryan, uh, Bryan Danielson once said of Cody, Cody's one of the best liars in professional wrestling. <laughs> I I would not be surprised if he came back, to be quite honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, me neither. I mean, I think for Cody, his, I guess he's, mission statement his personal statement is to right or wrong i guess and make a Rhodes a wwe champion mm. um if you if anything i've always felt like with, with cody coming back as the american nightmare it almost seems like oh that's great it seems to be like huh this stuff a it's the very first one of the very first wrestlers to come back um and come back with the gimmick that he's built during his time yeah. away from the WWE, all the way to the bloody theme song. Yeah. Which, to be fair, though, do you think are you ever think Cody's going to let up Kingdom? No, no, there's no way he was letting that up. I'm, because I'm, I imagine, I believe as well that uh, Cody actually has rights to that song. That he he, I believe he commissioned Downstate to create that song. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it's 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 such a weird thing because it almost seems like Cody going almost seems like it's like, oh, he went from that company to oh, I wonder where he went. Oh, he went to a company called AEW. Let's see that. Maybe it's a bit of free advertising on his on his on his home on AEW's part. Like, do you reckon that's part of it? I reckon it could be a little bit part of it, though. I can't think that Cody. Cody wouldn't be that smart to do something like that, would he? Who knows, man. <laughs> All I know is that Cody is in a very advantageous position now that he came back to WWE after all the work that he'd done, you know, putting together AEW with the guys to come back to WWE in a much better position than where he was when he left. Um, maybe that was part of his plan all along to, you know, to prove that he could do something like this to then come back to Vince and go, look, I can do this. I can be the biggest star in your company. Who knows? Who knows? As Brian Danielson said, though, <laughs> Cody's one of the best liars in professional wrestling. <laughs> Who the hell knows? But uh, that's where we are right now with AEW. So, chaps. I don't care. Sorry, just quickly, though. Oh, I, I like to echo the statement that Kenny Omega said, which is he's not the kind of guy I'd go for a Diet Coke with. <laughs> you know what yeah that actually sad that actually rings true that sounds about right but no chaps that is aew right now at this present moment as we gear up to uh double or nothing 2022 so i guess the kind of final bits in conclusion for this are how how have you found aew since it started in 2019 and what has been one of your kind of like favorite moments that made you go, I like, I really like what AEW are doing. Starting with, let's start with the guy who's only kind of more recently started to get a little bit more into AEW, and that's Reardon. Yeah, um, it again, it's a it's a company that has snuck up on me completely <laughs> to the point where, like, going from, hey, we're gonna do this thing to by the way cm punk works for us now is <laughs> madness on so many different levels <laughs> um but in terms of actual in like moments where i'm like yo i actually have to pay attention to this surprisingly it's miro yeah yeah like just in terms of like a guy like just because in terms of a guy who was like done dirty by the wwe went to AEW and is now the hottest thing mm. on planet Earth. I think that's what really made me go, oh, actually, <laughs> nah, nah, these guys, these guys have something here. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I fully agreed. Fully agreed on that one. Uh, Dan? I think this is going to ring quite true with a lot of other people, but my honestly, my moment with AEW was Pack versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah. A revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was my it was my thing of like, oh, a big company is actually trying to do these matches and they're ma- and they're making a statement out of it. They made it like the match that was available from the show. Mm. Yeah. And I watched it and I was like, this is this is great. Mm, like, mm. this is this is really this is really good this is really fun and there's still loads of really good action there's still quality wrestling and everything yeah like that there's there's everything that i want out of this and i was like oh it's cool that the actual big companies take a different direction with stuff i i 
totally agree on that one. For me, it's a combination of those two, but also seeing that they, that they as a mainstream company, don't shy away from the wider wrestling landscape. Yeah. And that they do pay it. Not only do they pay attention to it, but they want to show it to a wider audience. And I mean, seeing people, I never thought in a million years we'd ever get to see Eddie Kingston in AEW. But not only has he come to AEW, he's also become one of the most popular acts through sheer, his sheer kind of talent and charisma alone. Yeah. And it's so cool. It's been so cool to see that. Not only that, I mean, we've seen like like loads of people from Japan come in. Like we've seen uh, Takeshita, as we noted in the news, come in and just become so damn so damn beloved by an American audience. Which, when you really sit to think about that, a mainstream wrestling company being able to put over a, a really up and coming Japanese talent like that is is unheard of in America. <laughs> yeah. And then you get guys like Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima, legends of the scene, actually being given... Oh, Minoru Suzuki as well. Yeah. Being given the the the, the, the plaudits and, and, and the, the grandiose nature of them, like, in an American company, being given that is, again, unheard of. Because, I mean, I'm going to say, it, look at Shinsuke Nakamura, for example... Mm-hmm. One of the most, one of the most popular stars of New Japan, and kind of was a bit, a bit of a damp squib in his in the few years when he like going from the NXT going up to the main roster was ended up being a bit of a damp squib for him, um, which is a shame. Yeah. I mean, as well, I mean, all of that as well, and we get and their emphasis on using legends the right way, you know, like yeah. Jake Roberts is a great example of that. Jake Roberts being a, a terrific mouth, mouthpiece for Lance, uh, of, uh, Lance Archer has been amazing to see. Uh, Sting, I love the fact that at 62 years old, Sting is like, I'm going to still be a... I'm gonna, I've, got, I've got the agility of a 35-year-old. <laughs> oh, I, just, I don't even understand. <laughs> my emo son's going to jump off things. I better lead by example. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> I love how we as wrestling fans, we talked about the nuances of up and coming talent, why we love their stuff so much, but we still go crazy for Sting jumping off top of it. <laughs> yeah, because the man's 62 and jumping off stairs. <laughs> uh, and also, as well, talking on that same vein, how Dustin Rhodes has just been like, you know what, this, if this is the last few years of my career, I'm going out with a bang. <laughs> I'm going oh, yeah. to bleed. <laughs> <laughs> He's been, and again the love of, of tag wrestling it's just AEW as a whole is just like we are fans of professional wrestling but we just want to give professional wrestling the same platform as a WWE for you lot yeah. and that's awesome like genuinely awesome to see it's again it's hit and miss with what they do as most if not all companies are like but when they hit it, they really do hit it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And again, for a company that's been around since 2019, they've not done bad for themselves, honestly. No, they're doing good. And yeah, that's kind of 
that's kind of me, and that's kind of where we leave AEW at this at this moment. Are you guys excited for the future of all elite wrestling? Lord knows, Lord knows what will happen next. <laughs> Lord knows. As I said, uh, Rock buys WWE, and then Rock AEW buys and WWE, and AEW gets absorbed by Cyberfight. Oh, we get the supercard of supercards. Yeah. The Robin Hood WrestleMania Super Fiber so Cyberfight AEW card. AEW keeps its deal with New Japan. <laughs> and then through through AEW, New Japan wrestlers then go and work Noah shows. It, it, it just works. <laughs> Damn, that actually does sound pretty decent, Dan. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but yeah, I'm genuinely excited see? to see where they go. I mean, as I said, there's still a few things that they need to fix. Most notably the oh, women's yeah. division. They really need to. Tony really needs to get off his high horse and and really put uh, give them the time, uh, the the same amount of time as the men do. Um, the relationships as well have been a really good thing as well for them. But come, uh, but Ring of Honor as well. I'm excited to see what that's like. But again, maybe having maybe doing the creative for both shows is going to really have an, a, a detrimental effect on one or the other. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All I know is they're in a really strong position. Hopefully, hopefully, they know what they're doing leading into 2023 and onwards. I think hopefully. I hope Tony knows what he's doing if they, at the very least. Or at least at the very uh, at the very least has a better fashion sense. Yeah, I said it, Tony. <laughs> more Danhausen. More da- yeah, more Danhausen. We can't. We'll never fail for more Dan Housen. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap and put the stamp point on AEW right there, gents. It's a very short history, very short history, but a lot. It's very dense, to say yeah. the least, of what they've been yeah. like uh, so far. <sighs> Talking of a short and dense history, chaps, can you believe now it's been two years since we started this little thing called the Sweet Chin Wag podcast? Don't tell oh, me. Oh no. Oh no! Tell me that. It's nuts, isn't it? What? It's genuinely. I'm genuinely terrified of nuts. my own age as it is. You're terrified. What about me? I'm the oldest one out of the three of us. Hey, look, right? I'm allowed. I feel like I'm justified in doing that. Okay. All right. Fair. 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 <laughs> so. For our two-year anniversary next week, we are going to be doing another. Sit down Q&A session for you, the fans. We're going to send out a tweet soon after this episode airs where you can ask us absolutely anything. Things about the podcast. As long as it's within the bounds of um, terms and conditions and all of that jazz. Exactly. Exactly. Community guidelines, that's what I was looking for. Anything about my personal life, that's a no-go. No, but anything about the podcast, our love of wrestling, wrestlers, what we've been able to do and achieve through the sweet chinwag. Like, if you want an extra long episode, ask Ridden any question about the Matrix. Yes. Yeah, it, that's not even a joke. That is literally it. <laughs> you it's... you want to hear my? You want to you want to turn this turn the Q and A into us discussing the Matrix Resurrections? I'll I'm on that. What I'm if, on that. What if I told you a Sweet Chin Wag episode turned into a two-hour dissection of the Matrix Resurrections what and just on just the doing, opening scene? What if instead of doing a Q&A, we find the script for the first Matrix movie and then we just read the entire script? 
I think that comes I'm up. On it. I was going to say, I think that comes under copyright. Maybe we should do that as a Patreon exclusive. I reckon we can manage that. I reckon we could do that. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash sweet I, I could do it with souls. Ooh, <laughs> that's that'd be easy shout. for me. That is a good shout. Uh, that, no, no, that probably, oh, actually, no, I'm tempted for that being a Patreon exclusive now. But no, honestly, anything. Podcast, wrestling, films, the stuff we've been able to achieve outside of the podcast, guest appearances, uh, my somehow stumbled into being a video editor for hire how did the hell did that happen <laughs> i have no clue but it did all of that stuff anything at all you want to ask us as a free or individually get your questions in on our twitter page we'll be sending a tweet out after this episode airs goes live um but yeah chaps can you believe like two years this beast has been going and we're still going strong this is the power of having other people involved. Because if this was me on my own, I would have quit by now. Yeah, oh yeah, oh absolutely. I would <laughs> not have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is that is very very true. After that, I might I must say as well. After our two year anniversary Q and A special, we will be coming back June strong with our Pride Month specials, all pending at the moment. But we are doing something special right in the middle of that for episode 100. So all stay tuned for that on our Twitter, at Sweet Chinwag, on our socials, on Instagram. Also, if you want to help us out, I will say it again, patreon.com forward slash Sweet Chinwag. Honestly, every little helps. We've got perks, day early releases of the podcast, and exclusive access to our Discord server. All of that on our Patreon, and then some. I still can't believe... Actually, no, it was my idea. I can believe we're going to review the 2001 XFL season. I will still keep bringing it up. (laughs) All of that to look forward to in June, and for next week for our Q&A special. But until then, I have been Sam Elite. This has been Dan and Reardon Elite, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We will leech you on the next one. <laughs> god, I just... I can't believe that. Bye, everybody. Oh, my god. <laughs>